Hello everybody and welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour. We are here to today with a very, very, I'd say we'll try to keep it short because we've a lot to get through and we've a busy week ahead of us. So I'm joined, of course, by the two men as always, Chris O'Reilly and Alex Kulish. How are you boys? Hello, Brian Campion. Good. Hey Brian. Very good. You sound you sound pumped, Alex. <laughs> I am pumped. Oh yeah, okay, sorry. You just said oh hello Brian. Very good. Hello, Brian. <laughs> so have you start. So have you we both recovered then from uh, the action in Budapest? We should start there. Yeah, just in time to do it all again in <laughs> to do it all again in Cologne this coming weekend. Yeah, let's talk about Budapest because we haven't talked much about that since it happened well did any one of us actually predict vipers to win it in the end uh, i think we were leaning very heavily on the jur and uh and mets i think we might have given them half a chance i know i think uh, we, i think myself and yourself picked vipers to win did we not i think that was my googly prediction oh i don't know <laughs> we have to listen back to that because i thought there was <laughs> oh, no, no. yours there for for you too no guys. no i remember <laughs> i said that Esberg wouldn't do anything. And my googly one was that I think that Vipers are going to do it. Well, Vipers certainly were googly. That's that's for sure. Whatever that means. <laughs> I just think there was nothing googly about it at all, no? How? But I just how how good were Vipers? I just love the way they played the whole weekend, and they were. I mean, we're gonna I'm gonna use this word again. They were kind of googly in a way because they were such a pain in the arse to play against. I imagine the way they played was kind of so efficient so smart just like they they managed to to figure out how to control both games so so well uh, not at all times but at certain periods of the first half and then in both games the second half completely they just um they were really kind of surprisingly dominant and i was so surprised after to hear anna meta hansen from Jura to say that Vipers were the team that looked like they had more experience. And a Jura player, a Jura captain saying that about her team in the final of the Champions League is really remarkable. Yeah, I think uh, if it was a Czech, if it was a chess game over the whole weekend, I think you'd have to say it was a checkmate, wouldn't you say, in the final. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I actually wasn't thinking about that beforehand. That just came into my head just there when I was... Uh, I thought you were going to say something about the... Uh, the Czech players, because I mean, Djerbkova and uh, Kendikova with t- 12 goals in the final, I think was something that nobody uh, expected. And I think probably to a certain extent, if Vipers were going to win, they needed to have someone like that, a kind of an unknown quantity to step up and have an un- unbelievable weekend. And I think we saw probably maybe the opposite with Gyar, where almost nobody really seemed to... We basically predicted that, right? We said that... Gear have the squad, uh, but who is going to be the player to step up? And when they needed it most in the final, there was no one to step up. You know, Anna Hansen had a good game. Blum scored five goals from five shots, but there wasn't 
anyone to really take over um, a game and drive them forward, even when they got pretty close in that second half. Um, so I think th- that's the downfall. And what did Gear do about not having a player uh, for next season? Well, they signed the best right back in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they've uh, <laughs> they've come back hard. Uh, you're also signing, although that was that was confirmed before, Sandra Toft, and uh, so they have really bolstered the squad. But I mean, I don't I don't think Jura played badly at all in the final. You know, and, and there were some players individually that played pretty well. It's just they were they were outmatched, and like it was weird. It was a fairly close game. The whole second half was like two and three goals between the sides so really not a lot particularly the way that um the speed that Jura can play at and how quickly they can turn things around and they did that in the semi-final but it never really looked like vipers were in trouble did it they looked very comfortable in the whole second half even though it was such a tight game they looked in control uh Ole decided at one point to play 7v6 uh potentially really risky thing but uh what <laughs> what did happen is they gave the ball away a couple of times and uh, Karina Pentea missed three open shots on goal. Uh, one of them where Katrina Lunda came flying across and saved from outside her six meter area uh, with her torso. So it was just things like that that it felt like when they were happening, it's like, well, it's just not meant to be for Jura today. And Vipers, even though it's not going perfectly for them, they kept finding a way through. They put players like Susanna Tamori at left back, who I don't think has played an attack all season. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but like she was playing in defense for the whole weekend, came in and scored two goals at left back. And um, yeah, what a what a weekend from uh, Marketa Yerubkova as well. I I think I said to you, Brian, after the semi final, it's like, well, I don't I don't, <laughs> I don't think they can win the final because I'm not sure she could do that again. And like they, they need somebody to do that again in the final. And, well, she did it again. It was a little bit more definite than that when you said that, uh, Chris. You said she definitely it's won't like be doing that won't. again. She won't be, <laughs> she won't be doing that again. <laughs> well, to be fair, she didn't. She scored 12 goals in the first game. But she, yeah, no, she okay. didn't do that again. <laughs> but she did, played damn well. And, um, and yeah, that was a really nice aspect to it. Like, uh, it's just really good to see a player like that uh, in her first Final Four who's been around a little bit to be able to catch fire like that. I think what surprised me even more was actually the performance of Bella Godin in the final. I think we talked about her as a potential wild card, but I don't think any of us actually believed that she had the ability to take over a game um, in that way, Uh, or at least still had that ability. (laughs) I think, you know, more fool us to not believe that. She's uh, proven it time and time again. But um, uh, that was a huge surprise for me and an, a real send-off for her, let's say, top-level handball career with a mm. gold medal in the Champions League, which is uh, pretty amazing to see. Yeah, I think for me, it looked like she was winding back the clock a big time because she is one who's always played well at Final Fours. Uh, I think with her goals from the weekend, I think she moved into fourth all-time top uh, Final Four uh, scorer. So she's one definitely to to perform at final fours, but that that goal I think was in the semi final when she that no look when she twisted her body and passed it. That was like really 
really, really winding back the clock. So that was that was great to see. And I think we talked a lot about swan songs, and she was definitely one that she got her swan song at the final four. And is the ultimate Achilles heel for Dürer. So she scored those 15 goals in the final when CSM Bucharesti beat them. She was part of the Brest team that beat them in the semi-final last year and starred for Vipers uh, when they beat them in the final this year. So all of their defeats in Budapest, Bela Gulden has been a part of it. So you know the way Kiel sign all these old players right before the final four when people are injured? Next season... A team that has just qualified for the final four if they need a playmaker. Bella Gilden is a good one to have. Maybe just <laughs> sitting there <laughs> emitting some kind of anti-Jura aura. But yeah, she was she was phenomenal. I I I think I believed in her. Uh, I mentioned her a few times like a player who had to play, like had to really hit the top level like she did in the quarterfinal. Uh, but yeah, I think even she even went beyond expectations there. What I really am impressed with is that She's not the same kind of player she was in 2016. She was not like a, a free, like a free flying goal scoring machine, but, you know, the start of that final made this breakthrough right at the beginning to score and then brilliant from the penalties, brilliant control in, in the center of attack. And she's re, redefined herself in recent years. And it's uh, good to see her pick up a, a goal that way as well. Good. Should we leave it there then? Or should we move on to? Some of the other action around Europe. I think probably the best place to start would be with the uh, second biggest league in the world, um, the German Bundesliga. <laughs> <laughs> What's the biggest one? I don't know, Champions League. No? <laughs> Do you know there's always, <laughs> there's always that back and forth. No, silly. Uh, Chris, you must be... Uh, finally be able to cream your pants now that uh, Magdeburg have done it <laughs> yes uh, it <laughs> all those like... years and years of calling them underdogs and the guys that could do it and now finally they have yeah and it, was, it was kind of anti-climax in the end because they were so dominant um, they got, they won it in a midweek match away from home I think and it was just like I only noticed it because of a, a Twitter post They're like champions are like alright they've done it <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that that was the defining game. And I think there's a little bit of, you know, it may be if, if, if they had won the European League or the German Cup before that, it would be even a bigger euphoria. So maybe it was, uh, you know, after those defeats, it was kind of a case of, all right, let's, let's get the job done here. Mm. And uh, I mean, there was a big celebration in Magdeburg afterwards, uh, which was fantastic. And in the end, they were pretty dominant two defeats all season it wasn't even close there's a a lot to be said for the way that they've built the team over the last few years and i'm really excited to see them in the champions league next season as well at long last and yeah it's just uh good times for magdeburg it's that i don't think there's too much to you know to delve into at this point that we haven't talked about the team before because there's been no um recent like defining victory They've just managed to, to keep the truck moving, um, or keep keep the truck moving. They've kept, managed to keep on trucking in, in <laughs> over the last few weeks. That was the term I was looking for. I don't, um, I don't know. I, I feel like it was a bit of a keep the truck moving. As you said, it was like they didn't dominate and completely, you know, make it a huge victory, which would define keep on trucking. It's uh, they just kept moving along, getting those victories, and we're probably happy to see. 
um, teams like Kiel and Fuxer Berlin just dropping off over the last couple of games. I think we, I do want to commend Kiel for actually solidifying that Champions League spot yeah. um, because they um, they got two very significant injuries in Sander Sagesen tearing his Achilles and, uh, no, sorry, Hendrik Peckler tearing his Achilles and Sander Sagesen just absolutely destroying his lower leg. I think there was a ankle fracture, a couple of ligaments gone out for about nine months. He has had a successful surgery, so that is really good. But when that happened, when those injuries happened, I really thought that we might see Kiel losing their place in the Champions League because Fuchs Berlin were in pretty good form and Kiel had a couple of tough games coming up uh, against uh, Ryan Nikolovin and Frisch Avgopigin. You know, two, two fairly tough teams to play at the end of the season. And they just they just did it. They did their Kiel thing, solidified their spot. And very funny, it just I'll give you a couple of players that played in the last game. We had Jarnas Faust, I think a 17-year-old who scored seven goals. We had Leon Ciudad Benitez, a German ginger Spanish named player, scoring three goals. We had Luca Alexander Schwermstede uh, with two goals. And Ben Connor Batterman playing. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I don't know any of these names. This is great. These, these are. <laughs> all, all, all of these uh, guys showed up. And uh, they even had Bjarte Mierhall signed to, to pop in with a couple of goals against Reinecke Leuven. So um, with that type of squad, they were still able to win 42-35 against Govigan in that last game and solidify things. So maybe, maybe things aren't looking too bad for Kiel going into this Champions League final when they have players like uh, Schwermstede and Ben Connor <laughs> rising up through the ranks. <laughs> I've just realized now, what is it? Uh Three days before the final four, I've got a few new <laughs> names to learn <laughs> for the weekend. <laughs> and how good is that Bjarta Mirahal signing? I'm pretty sure we'll talk more about it uh, over the weekend for the, the final four. But I just want to say that uh, as soon as the Peckler injury happened, which was in the second leg of the quarterfinal against Paris, I was in Kiel at the time and after the game i was chatting to merle shack friend of the podcast and keeler lockrichton journalist and as i mentioned keel are very good at signing old players at the end of the season when they, these things happen so the first thing we we're like okay who are they going to sign and um i threw out my first suggestion was bjarta mirhall <laughs> <laughs> However, I wasn't so confident in it because then just before it was going to be announced, Merla wrote to me and said, guess who's going to be announced? And I was uh, and I was like, who's it going to be? And she said it was your first guess and I'd forgotten who that first guess was. So I can't take too much credit. <laughs> but of players to bring back, of like retired players to bring in, he is a great choice. Yeah, definitely. And I want to just, uh, I want to give this stat um, about what this player, Jarnas Faust, that I mentioned earlier. Also, just to kind of give a bit of insight, you know, why do they keep signing these 40-year-old players when they have 
um, a 17-year-old right wing like Ernest Faust coming in and scoring seven goals from seven shots on their right wing and becoming the youngest ever scorer in the Bundesliga at wow. 17 years and 290 days. But the, the best part of this stat was that the previous youngest ever scorer in the Bundesliga was a guy called Morten Mikkelsen uh, at 17 years old. Uh, and No, he still is, sorry, the youngest ever scorer is Morten Mikkelsen at 17 years old and 252 days. But he's a goalkeeper. So the youngest <laughs> ever scorer in the Bundesliga is a goalkeeper in 2009. So that's that is from Fabian Koch on uh, Twitter. I just wanted to say just before we move on from because uh, we're talking a lot about Kiel and not too much about Magdeburg, but I think a lot has to, a lot of credit has to be given to to Magdeburg as a club for I think probably sticking with the the Bennett Vieger project. I mean he came in in 2015, and I mean Chris, we were at a lot of EHF Cup finals and stuff like that, and when they fell flat, and a lot of people talking about oh, I'm not sure he's the man up to the job, and there was a lot of pressure on him over the years, and I think especially the way he. <clears throat> His selection of players sometimes he'd, he would often go for a lot of smaller, more mobile uh, players. And I think in in the German speaking world, he would get a lot of criticism from people saying like, "Why don't you have? Where, where's your Fim Lemke? Do you know where's your big massive brute who's gonna who's gonna launch a few goals?" But like he kind of stuck with his with his principles, and it's obviously paid off. So it's it's it's, it's probably satisfying for him, obviously, uh, that his own vision has uh, has come true. But speaking of top scorers. Uh, from one uh, pants creamer to another, uh, Alex, uh, Hans Lindberg became the oldest top scorer ever in the in Bundesliga history. So you're probably creaming your pants now also. He he is the king. He'll always be the king. And he'll sk- keep scoring. He that, that top scorer race came down to the real, to the wire actually. Um, but Lindberg came out and scored five goals in the first 15 minutes to just say, I'm the big daddy around here. Don't mess with me. <laughs> Solidify that top scorer title. And he's probably going to be doing it for a few more years still. I think that's particularly impressive given that Walter Krintz is also sharing that right wing position with him. And he's still going, right? At least one more season? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll give him four more. Four more seasons. He'll go to maybe Gay or Gay uh, at the age oh. of 42 or something or uh, join a first division. Uh, Danish club in Copenhagen. He, he's going to be playing for a long time. Gay okay, okay. Speaking of which, Danish champions. Pretty incredible, really. It, 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 it is the biggest talent factory in world handball. The, it's, it's astounding the, the heights that they can reach with just a bunch of 17-year-olds. It really is. It's a boarding school. It's a boarding school in the middle of Denmark which is just producing player by player by player. And they were able to pip Albor um, in the second leg after a draw in the first leg, a game where they really dominated. Um, uh, Gay Gay were really in charge for that, that whole first leg at home in uh, Svenborg with uh, Bergerud having an incredible game. I think he had 19 saves in that game. But Albor really came back. And uh, I think there was a lot of momentum for Allborn. I think everyone really thought that after the draw in the first leg, they they would just go on and uh, beat Gay Gay at at home and seal their 
fifth title in a row. But that wasn't the case. It just wasn't the case. Um, Geoge won 27-26 away from home in Aubor. And again, they were just in control of the game. It, it wasn't like, it wasn't a last minute win or anything. They were just the better team. It's it's incredible. And they really, it's quite interesting because they, the, the most interesting part is they're going to be in the Champions League next year, potentially. Let's see, they they have the right to be in the Champions League. They don't quite have the hall to play in the Champions League, but they can do that somewhere else. Um, but they're losing all their best players. Um, Matthias Gissel, who came back from his injury for that semi-final, he was good in both legs, but he wasn't. Uh, he just wasn't match fit yet. Um, but he's going to be going to fix a Berlin. They're losing both of their goalkeepers, Hal Grimson and Bergerud, um, as well as the new line player star uh, from Sweden, Oscar Bergendal, who's going to the Bundesliga. And uh, their young left-back, uh, Emil Lerke, uh, is also going to the Bundesliga. So they're basically losing five of their best players for next season. Well, what's what's wild here is I'm just looking at the the overview of the of who's arriving and who's leaving next season, and twelve transfers away from the team plus Morton Olsen who's retiring and he's going to be an assistant coach in Ringsted in Denmark. So thirteen of the squad leaving, which is um, so they're going to have to completely rebuild. And they've brought in a bunch of players. Um, Tobias Tullin uh, in goal from uh, Stuttgart. But besides that, I mean, it's a bunch of Danes. And I guess they'll just, you know, they'll bring up the next bunch of 17, 18-year-olds. And uh, they'll give it a go in the Champions League. So it is kind of sad in a way that, like, the, the players they've had in the squad for like this season and last season as well, like some of the players that left, like Emil Jakobsen, that now they're getting an opportunity to play in the Champions League, but amazing opportunity for those young players who are going to be part of the team. And you know, I guess you can't um, you can't deny them that chance; they've earned it. But does that mean that Alborg are going to be in the Champions League next season? Because there's also Vesprem uh, who don't have an automatic place in the Champions League after they lost to Seged. Pretty incredible game, that one. Again, this was after a first leg in Zeged, mm. uh, Veshem won by one goal. And again, it just felt like the bigger team. You know, you can argue who's bigger these days, Veshem or Zeged, but the, the favorite was in control going into the second leg. And Zeged went to Veshem and uh, scored a last second, or what was it? I think it was 59-58, where was... our favorite player, Budget Badhidi, uh Rasta, uh, caught a fast break catch from a uh, no-look pass from Bombats and uh, nailed the dagger into Veshrem's dreams for a title. Yeah, they really threw it away. Veshrem had possession uh, with 10 seconds to go, and Andy Nielsen got called for an offensive foul uh, blocking on the line. Really, um, really unfortunate decision, but it was a correct decision. Zeged went up the other way, scored that last-minute goal, and uh, sealed their second straight Hungarian Championship. You have to really give it up to Pastor and what they've done with, with that team. Uh, considering where 
they were as well. Like if, if not even two months ago, that loss to Flensburg in the Champions League, they looked quite off. I would say losing the Hungarian Cup final as well. And I'm just seeing here on Twitter, there's a great picture of Miklos Rosta uh, being presented a jersey, which is uh, 59-58 on it. So the time that he scored that winning goal, which is amazing. Brian, what do you think this means for Vesprem going into the final four? I think it doesn't mean a whole lot, to be honest, because uh, you look at how gear were coming into the final four best attack best de- defense in the whole thing and it, that didn't mean a whole lot then and they had probably one of their worst performances ever then in the final in terms of attack so for Vesprem I, I can only hope I mean it, it is quite close to the final four but it only can mean I think probably motivation for them going into it because I think the, the whole favorite role especially this year doesn't really doesn't really hold a lot of water people are saying Kelsey but I mean it's it's really really so close I mean, we'll get into the full preview yeah. uh, of the, the Final Four when we go to Cologne this weekend. We're going to have lots of shows coming up. Uh, but just before we move on to that, maybe just wanted to say, of course, Lasses Fan retiring from mm. handball after 14 years with SG Flensburg. Only played for two clubs ever, which is quite incredible as well. Uh, an absolute legend uh, leaving leaving the sport. And as, I suppose Andy Schmidt as well has seemed to have the, the longest goodbye ever. It seems to be like four games leading into it. People are saying, oh, Andy Schmidt, he's leaving. He's even Reinecke Leuven. He's not leaving handball, of course. He's going to play in Switzerland, but he will be a uh, That's a basically loss. leaving handball, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. But uh, According to Tony Girona. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a private conversation, Alex. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But one other big piece of news, I think, which is uh, some some really good news for the Ukrainian handball fans, will be Motor Zaporozhye are going to be playing in the the second Bundesliga next season, and uh, they will be playing their their games from Dusseldorf. So if they are given a, a spot in the Champions League, that's where they're, they'll play their games from. So I think uh, it's a nice bit of news for them. Reading into that a little bit more, and it seems like um, a really big effort done by the Bundesliga. And and the city of Dusseldorf as well to support them, which I think is really nice. And so, I mean, I hope in that sense that Zaporozhye, if they have a, a team that is able to compete, that they are given a chance to play in the Champions League, because I think that could be a really, a really positive story. Uh, and we're seeing Ukrainian sports teams um, come back into the limelight now. Uh, we're well used to them in Ireland <laughs> in, on the footballing side in the last week or so. And also the they have a beach handball team at the Youth World Championship right now. So yeah, that could be could be really nice. And just, uh, I think, fair play to uh, the Bundesliga and the city of Dusseldorf for putting so much into it. This kind of came out of nowhere, I think, this news. So yeah, I like that a lot. Gielsa lost as well. Everyone's losing before the Final Four. Seems like the hip thing to do these days. They lost to a Potsk team that I don't know where they found that performance from. I didn't get to see the game, uh, but it was a fairly convincing performance. I think it's nice also for Potsk to finally get some trophy because I think they they were it's it's been a while coming for them and and they've been knocking on the door either in Europe or Poland for a while. Yeah, good to see them despite losing in the league recently and losing Nico Mandiga to be able to bounce back like that is uh, is good for them. Uh, maybe there was a bit of a feeling of uh, Kielsa had... They won the league. 
they did what they needed to do. Focus was on the Champions League and maybe the, the focus for that game wasn't there. So I think out of the losses uh, for these competing teams in the Champions League, that one is the one I'm least worried about to, to affect Kielsa. Uh, I, I think that for Veszprem, they will be heartbroken because I think they would have probably wanted the Hungarian League more than the Champions League. If you offered them at the start of the season, do you want to retain the, the Hungarian League or win the Champions League? They Oh no, maybe it'll take Champions League because I've never I, won I think, it. I think now, now <laughs> if they if they win if they win the Champions League this weekend, no one will care. All will be forgotten. There's one more tiny shock as well in the Tassa, the Portugal uh, Sporting beat Porto after two extra times, thirty six, thirty five. Uh, so Sporting having a, a bright end to the season, and you know, Benfica knocking on the door of the Champions League as well. I think they were in... Did they finish third in the but Portuguese Benfica finished league? third. They're not yeah, going to be in the Champions League. They're going to be back to retain their European League title. Uh, that's the that's the interesting thing, right? But the, and we don't... Uh, we don't want to go too much into it. <laughs> like, you, don't, you don't have to be the second best team in order to get into the... get the upgrade to the Champions League. And I think that's... that. This is a conversation for another time because... You've got a lot of teams looking for those six spots, the six remaining spots in the Champions League next season. And uh, yeah, going to be some tough choices for the EHF executive to make. But um, anything else before we preview what we're doing this weekend? Just a, a last mention of Kiko Costa, who scored 13 goals in that cup final. 17-year-old, absolute star. I want to see him in the Champions League. But um, let, let's see how that happens. Maybe you should sign for <laughs> Join <laughs> the other 17-year-olds. I, I, I would love to see that, actually. Gheorghe should go around and just get all the best. Uh, they, they probably have better 17-year-olds in their uh, third team. <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what are we doing this weekend, lads? We're all going to Cologne tomorrow. Tomorrow being Thursday. So we're recording this on Wednesday morning. And Alex, you're probably uh, doing the most work. <laughs> what are you doing i am going to be one of the hosts of the 24 7 twitch show that will be going on throughout the weekend in cologne so we will start at about four o'clock on friday and the stream will go on continuously including overnight where the stream will be passed over to our friends in argentina and brazil to speak about handball there um we'll go throughout until about 8 p.m on sunday after the final so there'll be continuous content continuous interviews with players former players coaches everyone who's around lots of really good content and lots of me trying to speak for about 12 hours but Love within it. that we also have three slots for the uninformed handball hours so we will start the show at four o'clock on Friday with a 90 minute preview special of the EHF final four. So the uninformed handball hour will do that. We'll do that live, but that will come out as a podcast. Then on Saturday evening, we'll also have a two hour live show where we'll review, digest everything that's happened after the semifinals. Uh, that one will probably not come out as a podcast, so you do join us on the Home of Handball Twitch channel. 
and we'll wrap up the show on Sunday evening with a review of all the action over the weekend. And uh, that one will come out for, for, as a podcast for everyone to enjoy. But do join us still for the live show. Whew. Yes, uh, it's just tiring just hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't even started yet. <laughs> That's going to be a laugh. Um, and yeah, we have to get some uh, some top guests for that as well. And uh, yeah. Whew. What do you think, Brian? Is it possible? Uh, That's like, what, 54 hours? No, not almost. 50 hours or so of content. I think this is, probably, probably is 54 hours. I think it's the end of us all. But look, let's go out, let's go out hard and uh, <laughs> enjoy it all we can. I know it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of work all around. Uh, and particularly for Alex, it's going to be a lot of speaking. Uh, of course, Chris, you're going to be doing all the commentating there as well. So you'll be also doing quite a lot of speaking. And I'll be running around like a madman filming God knows what all over the place from VIPs, shoes to, uh, set up to behind the scenes stuff god knows what but uh maybe some hand maybe some handball maybe i actually could see some handball who knows you know <laughs> <laughs> good stuff yeah that's all coming up this weekend the hf final four in cologne we'll all be there and uh, we'll see you on the twitch home of handball until then goodbye from all of us mm-hmm.